0: Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast, where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host, Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high-achieving 9-to-5-er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos, and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Meet my guest on the episode today 27 year old Karina Curley from Mumbai and the founder of Hum. She studied business at the University of St Andrews in Scotland and graduated in 2017. Coming from a business oriented family and having both parents as entrepreneurs, she has always had entrepreneurial inclinations since she was young and has always wanted to start something of her own one day. Having personally experienced inequality in women's healthcare, she has been passionate and interested in women's health and health equality in India since she was 18 or 19. Before building Hum, she spent the last 1.5 years building a community for parents and mothers and engaged with close to 1,000 mothers and parents to learn about their healthcare problems. And their needs when it comes to healthcare and parenthood for themselves and their families. Her aim and focus is to build HUM, a healthcare ecosystem and safe space for mothers and families to access affordable healthcare and support anytime and from anywhere. Join me as I talk to Karina about her story so far and the launch of HUM. Hi, Karina. Welcome to the podcast. I am really looking forward to this conversation because. I think this is a very new space. I haven't had a conversation about the space that you're in. And as we talk more, of course, the listeners will know why I'm saying that. So welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you today. And uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation.
1: Thank you so much, Savita. Um, I'm so excited to be on the show. I've actually listened to a lot of episodes. And I'm feeling excited that I was invited to be here. So <laughs> excited.
0: Oh wow, that's that's lovely to hear that you've listened to it. So yeah, I mean we have a lot of great episodes, and you're going to be on this, and I'm looking forward to what the audience has to say about our conversation. So let's dive right in. My first question to you is: What's your why for starting this platform? What made you transition from building a content and community platform at Baby Space to healthcare services at Home?
1: So. To be honest, my interest in the space and women's healthcare in general started experientially. When I was 13 or 14, I was actually diagnosed with PCOS. And um, that's when it all actually began for me. Now, as much as you know, PCOS is more commonly talked about, it, uh, it's also more prevalent. One in four women in India has it. Back then, there was this, you know, taboo areas of gray, lack of conversation about it. And I come from privilege. I'm very lucky. And I have, you know, progressive parents, access to great doctors and experts. But back then, there were always these questions, insecurities you have, one with the superficial aspects, but then also with the more long-term aspects like fertility. As I grew older, um, you know, became, you know, this 18, 19 year old, I've, I've always been this kind of type A forward thinking personality. And I started thinking about, oh, what are the options for fertility for women? What's egg freezing? What's, you know, IVF, embryo freezing? And back then there was very little information about it. So that's when I started getting more curious about this space. Obviously, nothing happened when I went to university. I studied in Scotland. But when I came back was when I kind of got this reality check about the healthcare system here. I was exposed a little bit to the NHS system abroad, and I got to kind of see the benefits that one would receive from the system. And it was very different to the healthcare system here. And, you know, I've grown up thinking that healthcare is a human right Everybody has it, right? You want to talk to your GP or your doctor, all you have to do is send a message or or a phone call. And the sad and the harsh truth of that is that's only for the 1% of the entire country. And that was actually when I was like, oh my gosh, this is just not okay. COVID happened and, you know, at that time, pregnant women, new couples were very, very vulnerable, their newborns. Back in the first wave, if you remember all of us were locked up at home, people weren't even stepping out to get groceries right and with this entire kind of trend of urbanization, nuclear families, you know maybe a decade ago, there was everyone was living in a joint family with their mother in law sister in law kaki nani, everybody to talk to, take care of your baby, you know if you have to go to office, you give it to your cousin your baby to your cousin to take care of things like that. but things changed and That was when I was like, I want to do something for this space now, what can we do that can help people Um, and I kind of took a call that it was verified content and you know creating a community for mothers and new parents to chat with each other about what they needed. And that's when we launched Baby Space with some incredible doctors on our board, providing verified information about things like breastfeeding and COVID, you know antibodies that you know, go to your baby when you're breastfeeding, uh, sometimes it's still a lot of gray area about the space. So that's when baby space happened. We grew that to you know a community of over 15, 16 thousand people. We conducted a study of six forty parents as well. And Honestly, Savita, what happened to us then was, I kind of got this wake up call that I was still really solving a privileged problem. And we realized that, you know, content and community, while it's a need, it's still maybe a secondary or tertiary need. And in India, we're still dealing with things like accessibility, affordability, right? That pushed us after we conducted our study, after we talked to, you know, close to a thousand moms and parents through our community, That pushed us to pivot. That moved us from content community to healthcare, which is accessible and affordable through HUM. Uh, We changed our name to HUM, which means uh, the Hindi word us. And it also comes from a hummingbird, which represents healing, resilience, and strength. We want people who join HUM to kind of feel that they have a companion and they're not alone. They are very much supported. Um, and to quickly kind of explain what we do at HUM, HUM is a healthcare company that offers affordable, accessible healthcare with a focus in postpartum and newborn care. That is what we are starting with. Through our health programs available on, you know, a different membership basis, you get unlimited on-demand access to a team of experts that are assigned specifically to you. They offer personalized healthcare plans. You have, you know, daily online checks with an in-house care companion or a virtual doula, unlimited access to classes, to tools, different kinds of plans and you know, health tracking as well. So that is what we're up to. I'm sorry if I bore you with my long emotion.
0: <laughs> no, I love it. I love it because so much of it resonates with me. One, because I went through IVF myself. So that was the thing. I have COD. And for me, it has been, you know, I, did, I, I read what to expect when you're expecting only till the uh, 40th week. And then after that, I didn't bother reading it. And then everything hit me like a shock. And I remember now, while it was nine years ago that my child was born, I had only baby center to go and access. Incredible
1: company, by the way.
0: Incredible. Yes. But today there's so many Indian companies. And then, you know, they have the forums but it's all not moms from India. So the relatability can be very different and the challenges can be different while so much being the same. So I love that you're transitioning now into more healthcare. And I love the name HUM. And thank you for explaining and what it means because I think that also... It resonates with people when it's so much more for uh, people who understand what the word even means. Otherwise, baby space can feel a little difficult to relate here in the Indian uh, community. With that, I do want to ask you this. You've started out from, you know, like startup during COVID, seen all of this, done the research, because talking to thousand people is not easy. Done the research. What has been like some early stage challenges that you have faced? And how did you get past it? That's a good question.
1: So one, I, I can think of two, you know, big challenges that I faced and continue to face. Because we started with co- uh, during COVID, our team is actually built completely virtually. And one doesn't realize, but, you know, having that day-to-day human interaction plays such a vital role in team building, relationship building, ideating, brainstorming. I'm from Mumbai, but our team is from all over the country. A couple of our people are actually in America right now. So time difference is a big issue as well. I would say the entire people management and team building virtually was definitely a challenge and still is. And it's something we're trying actively to kind of manage. So that was one. And the other one I would say, and and I still feel, Honestly, every day glaring at me is, you know, being a solo female founder in this space. You know, being a solo founder, and a lot of the times before I actually started Baby Space and now Hum, one would say, you know, do you have a co founder? It's a very lonely experience and it's a long road. And back then I was like, oh, you know, what does that even mean? I I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own, but it's definitely overwhelming. And you do have days where you're, you know, filled your room and your head is filled with work uh, and you don't know where to begin so I would say that's probably a challenge I face but it's definitely something I'm kind of learning on a day-to-day basis and you know figuring out how to navigate.
0: I I think a lot of people share uh, the solopreneur's journey like you shared a lot of women find that really hard so uh, it's very interesting that you brought up about the co-founder because that's something, there are different platforms where you can actually look for a co-founder. So do you think with all the experience that you had in the last two years with going it alone, at some point you would go down the, like you would find a co-founder or you're open to it or? you
1: so open to it. I think honestly, if the right person came along and, and I have actively, you know, looked. we've talked to so many people but there's so many things, you know, that need, need to click uh, for it to happen. And that didn't happen for us yet. But I, I like to say that the doors always open and, you know, very open. If somebody comes along, happy to figure that out as well.
0: Because that's good to know that you're always keeping that door open because some people don't know if they're open to it at all. And then you don't get to have those conversations. And sometimes you may just find the right person. So that's an interesting conversation about co-founders. And I think I can talk about it a lot. And I want to ask you, do you have like a business lesson that you've learned to that in the last couple of years? So
1: there have been a lot of learnings, but I think the most important one, which it was kind of like an epiphany I had, that would be that one should actually listen to the problem their potential customers or customers have versus the problem you think they have. And a lot of the time you come up with an idea or a product, right? And you're so involved in it and you're looking for things to kind of validate the product instead of actually listening to what people want or what they need. And that happened to us um, in that, you know, point of the change from Baby Space to Hum. and. Once we actually listened, that people want affordable healthcare, they want daily support, they want the kind of specialized clinical, non-clinical care that they don't get, no matter where they are. Right? You could be in a village, but when you have your phone, you have the help you need. So that's what actually you know caused us to move onto this path. And I would say, focus on you know what your customers or potential customers want. Talk to them, engage with them you know, get get those unique insights. So that's going to really take you far with what you're building. And that's what will actually make you create value versus, you know, a product you need and you think everyone needs, but nobody
0: actually needs it. Great lesson on product market fit. So I, would you say that because of the conversations that you had, you transitioned and now you've got a product, which the marketplace actually needs with Hum?
1: Yes. So I would say we've done a good amount of research. We have a focus group we've been working with and beta users we've been working with. So we're obviously very new. Um, so I, I'm not sure if we've reached product market fit. We're still experimenting a little bit with prices and our programs as well. But I would definitely say the research and the actual market kind of engagement you do, it helps a lot. And it really puts you on
0: the right track. Let's talk about Baby Space. So, when you started Baby Space, how did you put the word out there? Like, how did you build the brand? And like during the awareness phase, the top of the funnel activities, what are some things that stand out for you with what you did in building the brand and spreading the word?
1: So the way I did it was actually a very step-by-step, tedious way, if I'm honest. Community building seems like the easiest thing in the world because one thinks that it's human nature that you know if someone's interested in something, they naturally want to talk about their experiences or connect with other people because that's what you, you know, perceive of people. But when you actually do it, it's really not what you expect. Back in the day before we launched Baby Space, I remember talking to somebody and he asked me, we were figuring out hosting services. That was the context. And he asked me, how much traction are you expecting? And now I want to laugh about it. But back then, before we launched, I was like, oh, we expect 200,000 people on the platform every day. And that was the naivety of me, you know, not being a founder back then and first time launching something was the reality was the exact opposite. To get back to your question, to kind of build a community and get your brand out there, it is this kind of brick by brick process. What we did for Baby Space, a few of us actually, we reached out to bunch of moms, you know, different kind of ambassadors in their field. There are incredible mom influencers, mom bloggers, incredible, you know, experts, therapists, you know, lactation consultants. All of these men and women that are passionate about what they do and they really want to share. They have a highly engaged audience. So we actually reached out to them and they helped us kind of spread the word. We also went and we started messaging people directly on um, Instagram, on Facebook, on different forums. We went down, you know, the original route of the Reddit and Quora days, created boards for the same. And, you know, that's when we started gaining our early traction.
0: I'm glad you brought up about Reddit and Quora and it is true. When you start out, you don't know. So I appreciate your honesty in sharing that that's what you thought it would be. And then what realities can be very different. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. So you did the brand building exercise. Now people started to come onto the platform. So you had a community. And that's like just the first step, like we all know. How did you keep the engagement going? What are some tips that you can share to help other communities like yours to engage at a deeper level?
1: Absolutely. So I think when you have a community, whether it's small or large, whether you have 50 people or 50,000 or 5 million people, I think what one tends to do is focus on numbers and how quickly you can grow. So what you tend to do is, okay, today I have 100. Tomorrow, how do we make it 200? And how do we make it 5,000, right? And naturally, your inclination goes towards how to grow. But focus doesn't lie on how to make people stay. And that is, you know, such a big problem when it comes to building a community. And I would say what we did with our, you know, current community is love your users back. One thing you need to do is, Love the people who love you back, talk to them, engage with them. We have and used to hold a lot of workshops, talks, webinars, partner with different organizations. You need to engage with your users and learn from them and you know take those unique insights home with you because you're never going to find it anywhere else. And that's what we did. And I would say our users and you know the people that participated in our study, people from our community, they've been the most you know, important part of our journey with HUM and it's literally because of engaging with them that we've learned what we've learned and we've built this. So I would say the number one thing to do for your community is love them back and tell them you love them back. Talk to them, make them feel welcome, make them want to stay, not make them feel like they're just a number in this really, really big group. And that's what makes them grow and, you know, you actually create value in a foundation.
0: And stay with you. So, according to you, what's a bigger challenge? Bringing people on or making them stay? I would actually say it's
1: making them stay. Um, You know, there are all these really cool tools that you can use to bring people on, but people need to see value in what they're looking at to stay and actually reference you, right? If you actually get one person to tell one other person, the impact you can have is monumental. When you actually get one person to do that, that means you are successful and we've done it.
0: So I would actually say it's getting them to stay. Yeah. Wonderful. So having advocates and ambassadors is really important. So it helps not only just build engagement while they're within uh, the platform, but also to bring in new people and because it's trust and because it's word of mouth. Yeah, that's a great takeaway for everyone who has memberships, platforms, community uh, building, and communities is most people track and they share about how they have X number of people on the platform, but actually what you should also be tracking as a KPI should be engagement, should be churn, should we be able to see if you have an app, uh, how many are you know leaving the app, how many are offloading the app. So those are things to keep in mind. Uh, great takeaways uh, Karina. loving this conversation I want to ask you Hum what are some key goals you want to achieve I know you're starting with we've already shared what you're starting with but what are some broad macro goals that you hope to achieve in the next 12 to 24 months
1: that's a great question fully loaded question so for us our aim is you know I would say our mission at HUM is health equity and health equality. That's very, very important to us. Um, So our focus over the next 12 months is going to be getting to all the tier one cities in India. Currently, we are partnering with different hospitals and clinics. We've secured some pretty incredible partnerships that we will be sharing soon. So over the next 12 months, we're looking at, you know, growing to the eight cities. And then the 12 months after that, we're looking at, you know, getting into tier two and tier three. That's obviously the dream and, you know, where I think we could add the most value to people. Um, So that's our plan for the 12 months after that. And we're also going to be launching a pretty cool model, which is currently in stealth mode. So I can't share about that yet. But that's something we're looking at pitching and launching after 12 months as well,
0: yes. Okay, excited for this journey. And now I want to bring the conversation to you. Who are people that played an important role in your life? And I want to add on to that question. Why did you choose entrepreneurship? Did you not want to go down the corporate route or was this always a dream? So tell us a little bit about that and, of course, the people in your life.
1: So very honestly, I've grown up in a home with parents that are both entrepreneurs. So I've you know grown up looking at these two leaders in their own fields and being inspired by them every single day. Since I was young, I knew that you know, building something of my own would be something I want to do. Never in my wildest dreams did I know it was going to be healthcare. As a young girl, while I've cared about it, I never thought we could actually get here and we could do it. So very honestly, I did do the entire, you know, GMAT route, uh, planning out my MBA, thinking of, you know, going to the big five to work after that. 100% uh, have thought about those things. But At the end of the day, I think for me, it just became where I think I could add the most value and finding what was the place that was my purpose. And it was entrepreneurship any day. And that's why I picked it. And that's how it kind of happened for me.
0: I love hearing this because a lot of people say, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. Some some people say they always wanted to be one. And it's very interesting to hear what, uh, you know, how you came down this uh, path. And I also want to know, what does a day in your life currently look like? I'm sure it's crazy and it's a lot because you're in launch mode, but what does a day when you're not in launch mode look like?
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, I don't know what to say to this question. So I think honestly, the last two years of my life have revolved completely around my laptop if i'm honest work has been like 90% of my day which is not great because you need to have a good work life balance so whoever's listening please don't go down that route it's very unhealthy but what what's important to me and what i make sure i do every day exercise Number one, I work out six times a week, not only for the physicality of it, but it's so, so important for your mental health. Um, I can't, you know, preach about working out, even if it's going for a walk more, getting that fresh air and, you know, either listening to music or a podcast or leaving everything and just running. That actually opens your mind and it helps you kind of release your stress and anxiety. So that's something I make sure I do every day. Wake up in the morning and work all day, work out, Um, listen to a lot of podcasts. And I read a lot off late. It's been hard with, you know, launching the product and things like that. But podcast I love and I listen to a lot as masters of scale. I'm sure. So that's something I do. And family time is really, really important to me. I think COVID also made us, you know, sit back and get that time that no one seems to have. And I remember, you know, in that lockdown period, uh, for the first time, all four of us, my mom, my dad, my sister and I, we actually sat on the floor of our living room and just played Monopoly. And I don't remember the last time we've had time to do something like that. So I would actually say family time is a big part of my everyday. And I like to get even half an RN if you can.
0: What do you love the most about what you do? As we come towards the end of the interview, we are not done yet, but...
1: Yeah. <laughs> what do I love the most? I think it's when you actually talk to your users and you see the value that you brought to their life. It's been a really eye-opening and you know touching and humbling process for me. We've you know helped people with different issues, you know, serious, not serious. And when someone actually comes to you and says your product has helped me, that's the most life-changing experience. So that is literally why I do what I do.
0: So I have another question and this is just, you know, me being me. So among all the jobs that as a business owner, the different hats that you wear, right? There's marketing, there's product development, there's, you know, talking to clients. And then there's the actual, like maybe content work. What is your favorite? Do you have a favorite? That's a good one. I can say I know what's not my favorite.
1: (laughs) Um, But uh, in terms of what's my favorite, I would probably say it's literally talking to users and talking to experts. I love to do that. And I can keep going because you learn so much in every single conversation and it becomes such a significant part of what you're building. So I would say that's probably my favorite Um, What's not my favorite, uh, I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to share, is uh, (laughs) the accounting bit. It's something everyone has to do. And I know that, but it's
0: like the most difficult thing
1: to get yourself to do.
0: I hear you. It's painful for a lot of people. I got around it by having something that I call Finance Fridays and even then i try to avoid it on fridays so i know friday is coming and i've got to do it on that day. i love that actually i think i'm going to take that and pick a date to do it every week so it makes it easier and then i know i've got to do it. and it's literally the frog i do that first and then i'm like okay now i can move on love that
1: i'm go- i'm going to take that idea I love-
0: okay i'm glad to add uh, something to this conversation besides just you know hearing from you and with that tell me what's your advice to women who are contemplating entrepreneurship as a career or who are just starting out if they are already an entrepreneur if they're starting i know it's one two different questions but yeah what is your advice to women in general in business and those who want to get into entrepreneurship because everyone thinks it's really hard And some have no idea, like me. If I'd known how hard it was, I would never have started (laughs) down this path, right? And I was in corporate, so. Nobody knows how hard it is until you do it.
1: And that's honestly. Mm -hmm. So what I would actually say to people that are contemplating the entrepreneurship journey, I would actually say, you have to just take that leap and jump. You're going to regret it if you don't try. And that's kind of my principle of life. You have to just try. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But then you know you can sleep at night knowing you tried and you gave it your best. You honestly miss all the shots you don't take, right? So I think you just have to give it a chance and it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. It's on to the next one. And for women who are in this space, my advice would honestly be keep going. Entrepreneurship is, you know, not always ups and highs. It's not as glamorous as it seems on, you know, TechCrunch or online. Uh, When you scroll through LinkedIn, you only see fundraising stories and you think that's what it's about, right? And most of your journey is not that. A lot of it is to do with being tenacious and being disciplined and persistence. You know, you have to just keep going. So that would be my advice. And if you're passionate about what you do and your user's, Love your product, that should motivate you enough to keep pushing and keep going because you're going to get there.
0: I love your advice. And to know that at such a young age, it's so powerful. And I wish you nothing but the best. And I know you're going to scale great heights. And I'm going to look back on this conversation and probably bring you in for part two in two years. But before I let you go, here's something that I do want to. ask you which is what's like some favorite things right like what's a book that you really like i know i'm putting you on the spot so you can
1: i love Rapify.: my favorite book is actually this book called the hard thing about hard things by ben horowitz he's one of the my, kind of people i look up to it's incredible
0: i know you already shared favorite podcast um, is there any, uh, another one besides a uh, masters of scale um success with savita <laughs> Okay. I like this one, but uh, yeah, I may have put you on the spot over there, but uh, I'll share mine. uh, If you haven't heard it, how I built this with Guy Raz. Ooh, I would love to hear that. What's it about? So it's about, uh, he breaks down the whole journey of companies, right? A brand. So it could be Apple. How did they start? And so it can be an hour long plus hour plus long, but it's a very interesting podcast and it's long. I'm gonna check that. Out. I know it's your rapid fire. Uh, a, pers- a woman you admire. My mom, for sure. But I was going to say besides your mom, because most people say. But, but. okay, your
1: mom. Currently, I would say someone I who really inspires me in the tech startup ecosystem is Falguni Nair. I think what she's done is fantastic, and she is definitely a role model to so many people with what she's built. Yeah.
0: And I love quotes, a a quote that comes to mind that you like or you use often. Honestly, this is going to sound cliche, but I genuinely
1: swear by it. And it's really, really simple. It's just, just go with it by Nike. Uh, Sorry, not just go with it. uh, Just do it uh, by Nike. Yeah. I love that quote because it's, it, it resonates with the entire startup kind of hustle. It's just, just take that leap, just do it, you know? And Think less about it and stop stressing about it. Just do it and it's going
0: to be fine. Yeah. I'm done with that. This has been such a crisp, sweet interview. You're so good at this. Uh, And I think I put you on the spot so many times. So much of it wasn't planned. So thank you so much for your time and being so generous with your time today. And I really appreciate it. I wish you all the very best. And I am going to be following you uh, the news about Hum. And going to be on the platform probably and spread the word out there. So thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me. And honestly, it just feels like an honor because I listened to your show. So I'm super, super happy to be here and just chat with whoever's willing to listen. And about Hum, we are available on Android
0: and iOS. And you should definitely check it out. And we are going to be dropping all the links. Also, if people want to get in touch, just... Download the app? Is there a website? Anything else that. Uh, we do have a website.
1: It's humcare.com and our app is on Android and iOS. And if you want to get in touch with me, I think LinkedIn would be better.
0: Yes. Okay. So we are going to be dropping all those links for everybody who's listening in. So just go to the show notes and follow the link, Karina um, and Hum as well. So thank you, Karina, and all the best to you. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.